0: Let me read this to you right quickly. Something that I did not read the first two times, but God put this on my heart to read before we get into the message. Uh, it's coming from 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 1 through 5. And when I came to you, this is Paul coming, talking to the Corinthian church. When I came to you, brethren, I did not come with superiority of speech or of wisdom, proclaiming to you the testimony of God. For I didn't I Determined to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. And I was with you in weakness and in fear and in much trembling. And my message and my preaching were not in persuasive words of wisdom, but in demonstration of the spirit and of power. That your faith should not, your faith should not rest on the wisdom of men, but on the power of God. Uh, I pray for this all the time that I stand before people and proclaim his word. Uh, I don't want to allow my feelings and my emotions to uh, cloud or hinder the word that God wants to be communicated through me to you, to us. Uh, somebody said that you really don't need a mic, but I need to hear myself. And the reason why I need to hear myself is because I need to hear the message that God is proclaiming through me, because I need to hear it too. Even though I have studied it and, and even though I have communicated on numerous occasions, I still need to hear. The Bible teaches us we need ears to hear. Amen? Amen. So I'm grateful and thankful that we're here. Uh, how many of y'all are familiar with Bridge of Hope? So there's a lot of you who are not familiar with us, and so let me just share with you briefly. Uh, Bridge of Hope is a church that deals with the marginalized in Wyandotte County. Wynette County, in the northeast section where we're at, uh, has 47% poverty, 47% unemployment. Uh, The crime rate is staggering. We're seeing more and more violent crimes, more uh, increasing of drugs and alcohol, prostitution, uh, dropouts, and and, and a lot of things that we're seeing. But God, and homelessness, and God wants us to minister to that group of people because I used to be one of those individuals. Uh, I was homeless for eight years, I uh, was a drug dealer, I was a pimp, I, um, I I became a user of crack cocaine for 14 years, uh, I attempted suicide five to six times. Uh, I wanted to leave this world because I looked at my life as being uh, um, chaotic, and I was hurting people and not blessing people, and God had other plans for me, thank God for Jesus, uh, and so. He wanted uh, me to st- uh, plant a church that focused on that group of people, because this is a group of people, a group of people that I've come to realize when God had me to look at the, the landscape of Wyandotte County, that a lot of churches were ignoring that group of people. Well, when I read the Bible, in the book of Genesis, uh, in chapter 1, verse 26 and 27, God said, let us make man in our image. And so if man, if God created man in his image, that means that all human beings are valuable. All human beings have purpose. All human beings have worth. So my question is, as the body of Christ, why do we look down at certain people? Why do we uh, uh, sometimes uh, act in arrogant ways? I used to sit as an associate pastor in a church And when a homeless person would come in, they would sit in the front row, and it was like the parting of the Red Sea. This is during the worship service. People will actually get up and walk away. As I'm sitting there, God is convicting me. I want you to take a look and see because this is not what my church is all about. Jesus said, I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Jesus' church is a loving, compassionate church. Caring about the loss in this world. Jesus' church is sacrificial, loving one another. It is also inclusive, it's including of everybody, not just certain types of people. It has nothing to do with geographical area, has nothing to do with economics, has nothing to do with academia. It has everything to do with the soul of the human being. God has called for us to be. A humble servant of himself and he modeled that for us as we look at uh, at our text here today when I'm pretty sure because uh, Steve has done a good job to print the whole sermon on the back of the sheet <laughs> you have the outline so I like last thing I asked who wants to come and preach it <laughs> you don't want to okay well, I asked the Lord. The Lord blessed me to do it. So uh, we're going to take a look at this right now. So turn your Bibles to John chapter 13, verses 1 through 20. Why are you doing so? Let me just read something to you. Jesus said this about himself. For I am gentle and humble in heart. That's Matthew eleven twenty nine. 29. The word humble comes from a Greek word. That means to make low or to make insignificant or small. One of the things that the church should not be is prideful or conceited or arrogant. Uh, There is a church that is described in the book of Revelation uh, in chapter 3, the church of Laodicea, which was a church that thought that they didn't need anything because they had material wealth, they had uh, money, and they had education and they believe as though that they needed nothing, not knowing that they were naked and blind. The Bible teaches us those who also have ears to let us hear what the spirit is saying to the churches. And so if you have been born again, if you have tasted the goodness of God, God has blessed you with his spirit. And that means that you should be able now to understand the things of God. And one of the things that should happen, and when we hear that, when we hear the word of God, and we are students of the word of God, conviction and confirmation should happen each and every time we read. As I shared last last uh, a service, is that let me ask you a question, and I like for you to talk back to me if that's okay with you. Sure. Thank you. God bless your heart. <laughs> How many of you read the gospels as often as you can? That's good. Because when you read the Gospels, you are allowing the Spirit of God to disciple you to become like Jesus. Not just reading, but being obedient to what and looking at Jesus and what he does. Jesus always used the needs of people to expose himself. He taught us how to be servants, how to be sons and daughters of the King. And so the thing is, is that Jesus says this in his word in in John uh, 6, 38, he he says this, and we need to have this as our mantra as well. For I have come down from heaven, not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. Well, Jesus didn't come to do his own thing. Why should we? And there's a lot of churches that doing their own thing. And they're not under the banner and the influence and the lordship of Christ. And so if we're going to be that church in which he said the gates of hell will not prevail against it, we must be subservient unto him, humbly unto him. We must be these humble servants. So when we look at the context of John chapter 13 verses 1 through 20, He is giving us an example of how to how does that look? The first five verses deals with the work of this humble servant, because one of the things that he wanted to be able to do is to expose how this is supposed to be to be able to show us how this is to happen. To his disciples, to their dismay and to their surprise, he began to do something that they never saw before. He begins to undress before them, showing his humility in his nakedness to be able to serve them. And so when we look at this chapter, when we look at this this past description in verses 1 through 5, one and two talks about the character of his love. And then we need to realize when we talk about the character of the love, when we talk about godly love, period, we're talking about being sacrificial. First John chapter 3, verse 16 and 17 and 18 tells us that he sacrificed his life for us. So we ought to do the same thing for our brothers. Matter of fact, he used the word ought. We ought to. This is what we have called, been called to do, is to imitate him, according to Ephesians chapter 5, verse 1. So when we read verses 1 and 2, this is what it says. Before the feast of the Passover, Jesus, knowing that his, his hour had come, that he should depart out of this world to the Father, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. And during supper, the devil, having already put into the heart of Judas Iscariot, the son of Simon, to betray him. When we talk about this aspect of love being sacrificial, Jesus knows that he's on his way out of this world. But the way out is going to be painful. The way out is through the cross. The way out is to shed his blood. The way out is to go into the darkest part of all mankind to eliminate something that man feared more than anything, and that was death. He must go to the other part, the depths of the darkness, to be able to bring forth light and light. And he was willing to do that. But I want us to realize and understand Jesus operated as a human being. So when we look at Luke, uh, we see him in the garden, right? Father, if you can allow this cup to go go, uh, 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 before me, uh, if you can allow this cup to pass by me, but let it be your will and not mine. I want to tell you something, you you will have anxiety in serving God. Because the painful journey of this world is going to be horrific. Suffering is a part of what we do because it was a part of what he did. He sweated blood, but yet he did not allow the anxiety, the stress, to prevent him from doing what God has called for him to do. Remember, he said this, I come to do the will of him who sent me. And he never said that it was an easy journey. For some of us, we believe that, and some uh, who who have come to Christ thought that giving your life to Christ, that life was going to be a bed of roses. Remember this and never forget it. Before you were a child of God, you were a servant to Satan. You had no obstacles. You did whatever you did freely. But there's one thing you could not do because you were enslaved to sin. You could not worship and acknowledge your God. You could not understand and find out who he was because he blinded us to the truth. And so when we came to Christ, that very one that we serve now becomes our enemy and he will do everything in his power, and God would allow him to test us. He will allow uh, Satan and his demons to put forth trials and tribulations in our lives. Unbeknownst to Satan, even in this context, Jesus being betrayed by Judas was God's plan for redemption. Wait a minute, I let you marinate on that just for a little bit because I think that some people don't understand that. See, there's some things we must go through in order for us to fulfill the things that God has called for us to do. Satan thinks he's putting a hindrance on us, but in reality, God uses that. Do you know God uses demons to help us to grow, to mature, and to develop? This aspect of love that he shares with us, this sacrificial aspect, is in that context for us to be able to realize and recognize that our lives are expendable. We need to realize and recognize that. And it should be for the fulfillment for the glory of God, because that's why we were created. So when we see God, when we see Jesus in verses 1 and 2, he know he's going. He knows he's got to go. His hour has come. And now the plan is going into motion because now Satan has entered the heart of Judas and who's going to betray him. But when we look at verse 3, we see the confidence of his life. Here's the confidence when we look at verse 3. He shares this with us. Jesus, knowing that the father had given him all things into his hands and that he had come forth from God and was going back. He sent him to do a mission. He's going to fulfill the mission and then he's going back to sit on his throne. What is the Christian hope? That we be with him. Once we're done here, once our mission is complete, we're going to be sitting on that throne with him. We are going to reign with him. And so one of the things that we need to realize and understand is this. We should not fear because our hope is secure. Our future is secure. Yes, we're going to go through some trials. Yes, we're going to go through some things. But if, uh, if the love of God is residing within us, that is going to compel us and help us to move past the pain and the suffering of serving. When we look at verses 4 and 5, we look at the compassion the compassion, he says, then, and, 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 and he rose from supper and laid aside his garments and taking a towel, he girded himself about. Then he poured water into the basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel which was around him. Jesus wanted to make them clean. Jesus has been teaching all this time with them, sharing the word of God with them, and he has been eliminated the defilement that was within them. Their thinking, our thinking, and our hearts are evil. Do we not know that? I'm talking to you. Do you know that? In our context, in our nature, that in Genesis 6:5 he tells us that our hearts are continually evil. We need to understand the reality about who we are and what God has done. I don't think we appreciate enough, and I'm not talking about you per se, uh, but I'm talking about us as a church. That I don't think at times that we appreciate what Jesus has has done, what God has did through Jesus Christ. To be able to bring us out of a situation that we could not bring ourselves out of, that having a dark future, because the Bible teaches us that we were children of wrath, headed for doom totally being separated from God for all eternity, but yet because of his love that he had for us. We need to have that same love for lost people. Because without Christ, they have a future of doom. Totally being separated. And can we imagine that? Can we even phantom that and what that means? Because if we understand what that means for us, it means the same thing for those who don't know him. And we need to have that compassion. Compassion is basically said uh, that, uh, that, that the individual sees the need of, of someone and they want to be able to eliminate that need by fulfilling it. Jesus did that on the cross for us. That's why Paul was able to tell the Roman church, by the mercies of God, present yourself. As a living and holy sacrifice, I preach and teach this all the time. I want our people in Kansas City at Bridge of Hope to know what it means to serve and to be able to humble ourselves and put ourselves in a situation that God can send us back into that dark world and to be able to lead people to his throne. We must live sacrificially we we'll look at this second aspect because that's the work of the humble servant. We want to look at the word of the humble servant. We, we, we always have to be able to listen to the word of God. Simon, when he is seeing what is taking place in verse 6 says this, and so he came to Simon Peter and said to him, Lord, do you wash my feet asking the question? And Jesus answered and said to him, What I do, you do not realize now, but you will understand hereafter. A lot of times, because we don't know God, we don't understand what he does, and we just don't react properly because we don't understand him. And I truly believe there's a lot of people who confess Christ but don't even know Christ. I believe there's a lot of people who who say God and don't even know who he is, Because a lot of times we act like atheists. We get upset with God based on what he allows happen. And what bothers me about atheists, why is it that you get upset with somebody that you don't believe in? (laughs) But we say we believe and we still act like them. Peter can't believe that Jesus wants to serve him in this very humbling way. So he wants to refuse. However, the rebuke of Jesus humbles him to submit, even with full understanding. Peter gets, gets wind and understand when Jesus said, because he got scared, if I don't wash you, you can't be a part of me. Okay, then wash every bout of part of me, my head, my, my armpits, and everything else. Give me a bath. No, because you're already clean. I just need to wash your feet. As we walk in this world, we're going to still be stained by sin. That's what 1 John 1, verse 9 helps us to understand. It's that the aspect that we need to confess our sins on a daily basis. Because guess what we do? Sin every day. Sin should be so so prevalent in our hearts that every time we think a thought or even we do something, it should hurt us. It should cause pain to where we want to repent. If we are insensitive to sin and we are hardening our hearts to things that we fall down to on a regular basis, we then become insensitive to God's word and him. And before you know it, we have walked away. Rebellion has taken over. We must be sensitive to it. I tell people this all the time about we see killings and murders in our neighborhood all the time. And I tell people, never understand, never get to the point where you think this is just life. And understand this and and what I mean by that, being insensitive to death that was a valuable human being that just died i think the one of the most unjust things in the world is when a person leaves this world and nobody says anything about that life there's homeless people dying every day there's people who are dying every day and there's nobody steve have experienced that they have called him to come and say a few words over somebody that they cannot find their families They came into this world, man. God brought them and created them to be here for a purpose. Why should we ignore that? I can't ignore that. I watch the news. People say, I don't want to watch the news. Why not? You need to know what's going on in the world. We need to be able to see the ugliness which should should motivate us to be able to do more than what God has called for us to do, so we can be more of service to God, so we can be a help and not a hindrance. The church should be in the forefront and speaking about justice. But instead, we're in the back, mumbling and whispering. The word from the Savior is to help us to realize it and understand something. How much we need him. How much we need him. We need him desperately, man. We need his word, his counsel, his, his, his direction in life. We need to have our hearts and our minds changed. We need to have these emotional, feeling hearts that we can feel the pain instead of allowing sin to harden them to where we go as as the status quo, as though there is nothing happening. As we can look next door, what's going on, we hear the domestic violence go next door, but we say, that's none of my business. We can see the robberies that are happening next door, but we say, that's not my concern. We could see the young lady or the male prostitute walking up down the street. They said, that's their business, not mine. I'm sorry to say, but that's our business. Because he gave us a commission to go, therefore, making disciples of all nations, being inclusive. It's not a request. It's a command. The word of God to the saints in verse 10 to 11, he helps us to realize and understand this. Jesus said to him, he who has bathes only to wash his feet, but but it is completely clean. But you are clean, but not all of you. For he knew the one who was betraying him. I just put it like this. In every church, there are demons. In every church, Satan will open up the door and lock it up. In every church, there are forces that are contrary to the will of God who wants to be able to cause disruption and division. If we read the, the Bible as we should, and we read the New Testament, and we read the epistles, who you, why do you think these epistles are being written? Because the church that they're being written to are in disarray. Why? Because we are in the churches. Somebody need to hear that? Come on with it. We are there. And we ask this question, is the world just and fair? I ask that question all the time, and people would say no. I say, well, why do you think that? And they fail to recognize the elephant in the room. It's because of me. It's because of you that the world is not just and fair. And I always realize that. Quit blaming Satan for your choices. Because he can't make you do a thing. We make the choices. There's two influences in this world, Satan and God. And we see those choices being manifested in our everyday living. I want to go to this last point, the wisdom of the humble servant. Jesus set the example in verses 12 through 15. I won't mind reading. You can see it up on the screen. Verses 12 through 15. He said, listen, you may not, do you understand what I just got through doing? He said, if you do, do what I just did. Humble yourself and serve one another. Serve your brothers and sisters. Matter of fact, that should be the signature for all Christians in John chapter 13, verses 34 and 35, correct? He said, the world will know that you are my disciples when you show love to one another. You know, you have visitors coming to the church, right? You know, normally when visitors come in, they don't sit up front. Matter of fact, I don't see a whole lot of people sitting up front because, you know, (laughs) I'm sorry. Thank you guys for sitting up front. God bless your heart. He brought you up here. God bless your heart. You didn't have no choice, but God bless your heart. Because he always asks me, he says this. He said, Steve, you always sit up front. Yes, because I used to sit in the back a lot, and I always got in trouble <laughs> in school. So I always want to sit up front because I want to be there because I want to focus. I don't want no distractions. But the thing is this is that visitors are going to come to your church. Normally, they're going to sit in the back or toward the middle. Guess what they're doing? Observing of how you treat one another. I told my wife, I said, people of the church are going to be watching you. Why are they watching you? They're watching to see if you're paying attention to me. <laughs> if she's doing other things, they say, "Oh, he's up there preaching. She's ignoring everything." <laughs> the aspect of this, whatever we do, can influence people to make good choices. Or bad choices we have a responsibility to God the responsibility is to be his ambassadors his representatives here on this earth and we need to be influenced by him and not by Satan so he gave the example then he gives the exhortation in verse 16 truly I say to you uh, a slave is not greater than his master. there's that humility aspect again we must lower ourselves. John the Baptist said it best. He said, I must decrease so he must what? Increase. Increase. I, want to, I want to eliminate me as much as possible so he can feel me. I want people to hear and see him in me. Because there is a need for them to see Jesus because people say they don't see him. Well, he should see them, see him in us. In verse 17, there's the expectation. The expectation is this. If you know these things, you are blessed if you do them. The expectation, even the reward, if you know what to do, and if you do them, God said you will be happy. How many of y'all want to be happy? In the right way. Come on with me somebody. All right. James says it well, he says for us, if we are doers of God's word, somebody hear me. If we are doers of God's word, he said we'll be blessed in everything we do. Guess what? He just quoted Jesus. Because Jesus said, if you know these things, then you will be blessed. The reason why we're not being blessed in that way is because we're disobedient. Don't blame it on Nobody. I can't blame anybody for my choices. And that's the issue for me, is that I take responsibility of of my actions. David, a man after God's own heart, took responsibility. Let me ask you a question. How many of y'all read Psalm 51? Because Psalm 51 is how David responds when he realizes that God knows that, I mean, Nathan, Nathan came to him and shared about his sin, right? Do you see Bathsheba's name in there anywhere? No, he took responsibility for what he did. He did not blame her. You see, one of the things that we would would do is that David was walking and, and he should have been at war anyway. The Bible teaches us that when he should have been at war, he took the day off wakes up the next morning, doesn't have anything on his mind, but Satan puts something on his mind, happened to look down and see Bathsheba coming up out the water at the right moment for his nature to be captured. And when your nature captivates you, it's not going to let you go until it fulfills what it wants. It happens all the time. And we all have experienced it, have we not? Come on with me, somebody. Yeah. <laughs> the last thing is the explanation, verses eighteen to twenty. Everything that Jesus did was to fulfill and verify the scriptures. The reason why Judas was a part was to fulfill the scriptures. The reason why he did what he did was to make sure that god's word was true we we fulfill the scriptures, we, we allow the word of God to manifest itself within us. Jesus in, in, in John chapter 1 says, in the beginning was the what? And the word was with God and the word was God. We go to chapter, uh, uh, verse 14, and the word became. Guess what? The word of God should have flesh, your flesh. The Word of God should be walking in you, in me, in our hearts. The Word of God should have a body. The Word of God should have hands, feet. The Word of God should have compassion where people can be able to feel it and experience it. The Word of God should have feelings to where it's communicated and is shared. The Word of God should have hope. As, as people can see your life change through the process of it. The word of God. Should convict people's hearts. Or confirm. The, their thoughts. We have responsibility. As children of God. I. I. Don't like the mixed words. Uh, At times, sometimes I can be raw. But I don't have time to be diplomatic. Because your souls are too important. For me to dance around the subject matter, to try not to offend you is not loving you. We need to be straightened to the point, using the proper words to share a proper thought that will convict people's hearts to help them to realize and recognize how their lives are. We do this every day at Bridge of Hope. When I have people come to me, I look at this person dead in his face because he needs to hear the truth. I just told him straight out, I said, you have lied to me constantly. You have betrayed my trust constantly. But yet I still love you, and I will never give up on you. You must come to terms to loving yourself. You are continuing to live a life that is that is conducted by your perception of life. You have created rules, then you take those rules into other places to defy their rules so your rules can subserve those. But that's why the reason why you don't have a place to stay. Until you submit until you recognize that your thoughts are not equivalent to God, until you come to the realization that you need another authority, another Lord of your life, you're going to find yourself continually going down a rabbit hole that you cannot come out of. But I'm going to love you and I'm not going to give up on you, but I will not cater to your lives. With tears in his eyes. He said, thank you for telling me the truth. I can't be dancing with you. I can't be pussyfooting around. Life is short. And if I'm permitted, I, my time is, is run out, but I'm just giving me two minutes. I want to share with you yesterday, I, I did a funeral. The funeral was about this young lady who got shot by her husband and got killed. He then turned himself toward his daughter, their daughter, who was 15 years old. As he was coming to her, he had, she had to shoot, and she killed her own daddy. At the funeral yesterday, we helped, to be, helped people to realize that we're sitting in the audience, that we know we didn't like the way she left, but that wasn't up to us, and life is short. We don't know when it's going to happen. She was 38 years old. Time is precious. Time is short, and we don't have the time as a body of Christ to play around with people's lives. Father, thank you for this time. Thank you for being who you are. Thank you for your patience. Thank you for your son. Thank you for your Holy Spirit. Father, we realize that without you, your word has said that Jesus says that without you, we can do nothing. We cannot change the course or direction of our lives. We cannot, we cannot change other people's lives, but we're asking father as children of God that we submit ourselves in a humble way to allow you to fill us with your spirit and that we may be guided by your truth. May we become children of the word empowered by your spirit to accomplish the mission you've given us, we ask this in Jesus' name, and all God's children will say, Amen. God bless you.